When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. My name is Charles Laux, and I am your host. And I am here today with Mr. Matt Radspinner, who is the Orchestra Director at Williamsport Area High School in Williamsport Area School District in Pennsylvania. Welcome, Matt. Glad you're here. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And so this is our first uh, episode of this podcast, and we're both really excited about getting it started. And so the whole goal of the podcast is just to introduce string teachers to other teachers from all over the country, different walks of life, different uh, types of schools, um, and try to be as diverse as possible. Um, and so that we can all learn and relate and um grow from learning from these people and also to uh, just to, to kind of sp- spread the love of strength teaching and what we do. So um, that's kind of that's kind of the, the whole purpose of this. Um, my, my, my goal is to make it so that we can uh, kind of just reach all different areas of the strength teaching profession from elementary, middle, high, university, and then also have some guests from the industry because we rely heavily on them um, for our successes as well. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And um, each episode, we're just going to kind of talk to uh, our guest and find out, you know, who they are and what they do, where they're from, what what kind of things influence them. And so we'll just go through uh, and uh, get started here with Matt. Um, again, so glad you're here. And so I, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your training, your education, and your career, and maybe your current teaching assignment. Sure. Uh I am from central Pennsylvania. If you look at a map of where I live and where I teach, we shouldn't have anything here. We shouldn't have music. We shouldn't have art. (laughs) Um, We're kind of in a rural area, north central Pennsylvania, but uh, we have a great tradition of arts in our valley, and uh, it's really evident within our schools. Me personally, um, I spent time in my undergraduate at Penn State and Mansfield Universities. Mansfield's in northern Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm a double bass player. And I spent time jumping between performance major and music ed major. I didn't know what I wanted to do while I was in my undergraduate. Um, I actually, I had a pretty tragic thing. My my mom passed away. And mm. uh, anyone who's dealt with that, it just kind of derailed everything. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I took a year off and a year working behind a cash register somewhere and gigging. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know, I, th- I really want to go back and teach. And so I went back and finished my degree. And uh, was very fortunate when I got out. I didn't plan on staying in north central Pennsylvania where I'm from. Um, I was going to mm-hmm. relocate into a more metropolitan area. But a job opened up here. My first job, like many of you, is uh, I was an itinerant teacher teaching third, wow. through, third through eighth grade strings in three different buildings. 
um, and living out of the trunk of my car and eating lunch in my car as I was driving from one <laughs> building to the next. Usually yes. leaving things that I really, really need for the afternoon at the school I taught at in the, in the morning. Um, I did that. I did that for six years, and then I, uh, I I interviewed for our open high school position at Williamsport, and they actually they didn't they don't automatically promote within. I had to interview against outside candidates. Uh, it's a it's a great program. Wow. We have three three high school orchestras uh, that that meet every day. Um, and then we have pull-out lesson programs, which is very much a Northeast thing. I know that sounds That's foreign. That's really nice. That <laughs> sounds really foreign. Nice. Yeah, it sounds foreign to a lot of mm-hmm. folks listening, I'm sure. And then uh, we have a group called the Millionaire Strolling Strings. We're one of the few high schools that still have a strolling, very vibrant strolling strings program um, that, wow. that, that performs a lot and, uh, and really actually helps, helps drive a lot of our program with, a, with great PR. So that's where I am now, and and that's what I'm doing. I, I also have taught uh, at the at the university level for eight years at Susquehanna University, doing music edu- uh, ed courses. But as my high school commitments grew, as my personal family grew, I just couldn't do that whole balancing act. So I had to had to stop teaching there. But it, but it was a really great time uh, teaching at that level as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's it's always a balance, and we can we can definitely talk about that too because. Um, if you do have a family, uh, there's a lot that you have to, to balance and, you know, our, our profession, we can get really carried away with doing so much, but it's that balance and finding, finding what works for you and your family that you have to make sure that you adhere to. So, um, that's interesting. So, um, how long have you been at your high school then? This is my ninth year. So I did six years at the elementary middle level, and this is my ninth year at the high school. Wow. Congrats. Awesome. Oh, it's hard. It's hard to believe time is flying. It it really does. Um, what are some What are some of your main influences uh, pedagogically or musically, or what are your you know What are your favorite pieces? What just tell us a little bit more about some things that that drive you. Well, I uh, I love teaching all kids, and that you know I, I work every day to make sure that I reach every child. So in my in my school, we have three orchestras. We have a ninth grade orchestra which every ninth grader has to go through regardless of their level. So they can be the most amazing player in the world. They still have to go through our ninth grade orchestra. And then we have two upperclassmen orchestras. We have the auditioned upperclassmen orchestra and the non-auditioned group. And I'm going to be... Can the ninth graders graders play in two orchestras? Or they they, are only... Only in the ninth grade, okay. Only, yeah, only, and and we do occasionally get some kickback from that, but we also really like mm-hmm. the fact that the kids are, when they sit in their ninth grade orchestra, this is not the end of the end. They have somewhere to look ahead. Um, you know, we're very fortunate to have a schedule where uh, where we can do that. And the, the ninth grade orchestra has made, we have ninth grade choir, ninth grade band. It's made scheduling incredibly easy for our, uh, for our guidance counselors and for the ninth right. grade students. Um, so we have, we have basically about half of the ninth grade class is with us during seventh period every single day. They're either in choir, they're in band, or they're in the orchestra. And so um, very nice. it's, yeah, it's made scheduling very, very easy. Um, and and so it also gives kids a year to get used to me because they're coming from the middle school. So because I have a different teaching style yeah. and a different routine. So, you know, it definitely has challenges because the just like any other public school, the range is huge. Sometimes you have kids who are the right. best players in your school from day one. 
and then you have kids in the back of the second violin section. I don't know about your school, Charles, but in the back of my second violin section, occasionally I have some kids struggling. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's quite a big range. I have, there. I have the yeah, I have definitely a diverse uh, in, it, diversity in uh, levels of playing. You know, everything from um, a student who you know auditioned for Juilliard last year to kids who are still having trouble getting that instrument on their shoulder the proper way. So I have everything in between and everything in between, which yep. is, which is, I love, I love having the diversity and I, I can tell that you kind of do too. Yeah. It's a really important part to, of, of what we do because often the, you have no reason, you have no way of knowing why a kid signs up for orchestra or why they continue to play. You know, you look at some of these kids who will play all four years in high school and they really would have a hard time sight reading things at the end of book two, but they love it. And they, we don't know right. why they love it, whether they love being a part of an amazing product. Those are the kids who always graduate and come back and say, boy, Mr. Ratzbener, I really miss that. Or those are the ones that will graduate, start a family, and maybe not leave the area. And they will insist their kids are in music because they had such a great time <laughs> doing great. it. That's great. You know, so who, who are we great. to judge? Who are we to judge why they are there or what they're getting out of it? As long as they're showing growth exactly. and, they're, and they're putting effort toward it. You know, I'm there to teach them. I'm really excited about that. So, absolutely, absolutely. I have students who have you know repeated the same level of class several years in a row, and and they're kind of they're okay with that because they like being in the class. It maybe it's a social thing, um, mm-hmm. but they like you said they just like being a part of the organization, and um, you know they don't like to practice and and but at the same time uh, there's a place for them, and and I think that's important that. Um, hopefully every school has something like that, a place for for everybody. Yeah, I, that's really uh, that's one of the things I value about our schedule the most is that uh, my non-auditioned upperclassmen orchestra, um, those kids really love that class. And they love when we combine and do big special concerts. They just they get more joy out of it. Um, which in turn then gives me more joy, you know, so it's, it's, and those are also the kids who are the future consumers. They're either going to be kids, you know, people who want to go see a concert or kids, or like I said, people who start a family and then insist that their kids are, are involved in music <laughs> education somehow. So yeah, we got to think of it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of job security too. Absolutely. I mean, we know, we all know it's a numbers game. And uh, we have to have a, a certain minimum uh, in order to have a full-time schedule or a full-time or part-time at a particular school and, and split between schools. So it's, it is definitely a numbers game. And sure. um, I never want it to be a point where my kids are a number. I still want them to feel like they're, you know, a person and I, I treat them that way. But at the same time, we do have to understand that, you know, numbers talk and, and uh, we have to meet those quotas you know, regardless, depending on what situation you're in, what kind of, uh, Matt, what kind of schedule are you guys uh, on? Are you in block or six no. period day or how does it work for you? We have a seven period day. A couple years ago, we did wow. a two or three year cycle where we had eight periods and no blocks. Um, and so, and, and we so have the a classes summer- like 15 minutes each. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are 40, uh, 47 minutes, 47 minute classes. Oh, wow. That's, that's a quick class. It is a quick class. Um, mm-hmm. But when you see kids every day, so I see my top ensemble every single day, um, you know, and only I would say maybe 15 to 20 percent of those kids take take private lessons. The rest is on me. Um, and so but with okay. seeing them every day and yeah. 
a pullout lesson program, which sounds great, but it is tough to keep it consistent because of the because of the high rigor of all the other classes. Um, mm-hmm. The you know it the frequency of every day does really allow us to tackle some harder repertoire and build those skills over time. I always remind my student teachers at the beginning of the year we're not in a huge hurry. I mean, yes, we do four or five concerts a year. But if we pick the right music, we're not in a huge hurry. The first thing, you know, teaching is more important than performing. If we do the teaching part, right. it, the the performance part will happen very naturally. Um, and so it's very Absolutely. easy to, to look at a calendar and, and get sucked into that concert date. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I'm very fortunate. So we see the kids each day, 47 minutes a day, um, and... That allows us to build consistency, and it also allows us at our school to have a decent program without a consistent, without kids who consistently practice. We have the spikes okay. up and down. You know, it's when I do sure. playing tests. You know, each time there's a playing test, I always tell the parents that <laughs> the, the practice will will you know will spike up, and then it'll come back down, and then it'll spike up again. You know, it's just it's really yeah. hard to build that that consistency, but our schedule is definitely conducive to producing a good product. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, definitely a, a playing test will motivate kids to, to work. Um, I've been doing some things where I have a student just show me practicing for five minutes. Tell me what your, what a goal is and show me what you're doing. And hopefully they're doing more than the minimum five minutes, but that's what I'm asking for in, in a video. And, uh, I love it's, that. that's a great I, idea. I, I love watching kids practice more than I watch them prepare something that they, you know, that they, they memorize, practically memorize if it's a short excerpt or whatever. But, um, I just really like watching that process and see how they work. And then you can comment on it and give them some strategies. So I, I, I like that a lot better in, in some respects. And I still do the standard, you know, playing test, uh, of an excerpt or, you know, particular technique exercise or whatever, but the practice thing has been pretty cool and um some of my students were kind of not sure about it at first but they're getting used to it now no that's i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that and talk about it on tuesday <laughs> that is awesome that's, i love that idea that's what you know that we all steal and borrow from each other and that's that's what it's all about you know yeah yep i agree yeah so um what are what are some uh are there any techniques or anything that um that have been helpful or strategies that have been helpful for you or some things that you've discovered recently that kind of have been maybe a game changer um, for you? Yeah. yeah, Well, there's one thing that I was reluctant to do, and and a lot of people probably do this uh, who are listening. I was very reluctant to rotate seats. And here's why I was reluctant. I'm not the most Mm -hmm. organized person in the world. And so sometimes the, the idea of keeping track of what seats we're on and when we're moving and uh, it just seemed mm-hmm. a little daunting to me because I can see myself doing great at it for about a week or two and then the wheels would fall off. Um, mm-hmm. But I decided this year I set it as my, my professional goal with my principal. I said, oh, I'm going to rotate that seats. That always helps motivate. Yep. Yeah. Said, so exactly. <laughs> so he was checking in with me and saying, how are we doing with this? So I, I said, I'm going to make it my goal. And um, so I started rotating seats because I have many colleagues throughout Pennsylvania and beyond who swear by by uh, rotating seats. And mm-hmm. it has been a wonderful success. 
So one, Can you tell the, us a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what you're doing. Well, well, so I so I numbered each stand, you know, and then so so the kids wow. know, and I'm and I'm rotating them. So I started out for me just rotating them with their stand partners. Um, I know some people okay. do will will rotate stand partners. I'm rotating them with their stand partners because uh, when I introduced the rotating seat concept to my kids, their eyes got really big, a little nervous because they're the creatures of habit. Um, and so mm-hmm. when I told them they could stick with their stand partner, that offered some comfort. And so what I well, did for good. the first for the first couple of weeks, and my goal was to have them sit in a new seat for at least two or three rehearsals, because, again, I see my kids each day. Um, and mm-hmm. so I just started for the first half of the section. I would bump them up just by one seat. So stand number two oh, would wow. go to the front and concert master and stand and, and, and concert master. Uh, stand partner would go to the back all the way to the back mm. and mm-hmm. so we did that through each section until we got about halfway through the section then for the back half of the section i split it into two chunks because i know the back of my sections were the ones that were most nervous about sitting right underneath me you know what i mean <laughs> and so yeah and so i i moved them up in a larger chunk to allow them to get closer. But kids were getting really excited about sitting up front. Um, and then the comments from your first stand players, when they sit all the way in the back, saying, oh my goodness, it sounds, those kids have never sat in the back of anything. And so wow. um, for mm-hmm. those kids, the, those comments, and then it was always a little, at, on the day that we switched seats, it was always a little more serious of a rehearsal because those kids who were closer to me wanted to do a great job. They wanted to show that they can lead too. So it's been a really, yeah. really great thing for my program. It's been a little jolt of energy for me because it's so easy to get stuck in a rut of doing the same thing every every day it or every totally year. Is. I mean, it's it's incredibly easy to do that. And so this has been something new bef- for me. Before that the concert? Really worked out. For, uh, so like the week before yeah, the concert, so before, we went yeah, back. Yeah, I'm sorry. So it's like the week before the concert, we went back to... Um, the seats that they auditioned for at the beginning of the year. And so we could work okay. more on, you know, blend. And we were doing, you know, we did the St. Paul suite. So there were solos that we sure. had to make sure that we're in the right spot. Um, yeah. It, and so, so, and there was no, no like fighting. There was no one upset about it. Cause you know, there are some kids who care about their seat and some kids who don't. Um, yeah. And so my concern too was that I would have the, the child who was really concerned about their seat upset about sitting in the back. Cause I've heard some of those stories. Um, uh-huh. but I got zero complaints. I just, I, 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 inter- I, I introduced it to the kids. I said, here's the educational reason that we're doing this. And it's so everybody can hear, hear parts. Everybody can hear me and see me differently. Um, and yep. then, you know, and so I explained all the educational reasons and they completely bought into my surprise I should have trusted them. I mean, they're great kids. You know, I have a great relationship with them, but it definitely worked out. So it's been it's been something that I will definitely do the rest of my career. That is awesome. Yeah, I, I do a lot of random uh, rotational seating and it is per per seat, but I'll um, copy and paste the list of first violins into uh, random.org and the list generator. Ooh, that's a, a good idea. List generator, <laughs> and just hit just hit random and where you are is where you are. And, um, you know, it really gets kids out of their comfort zone and puts kids together who maybe aren't, um, going to necessarily sit together, 
uh, gets kids talking a little bit more uh, that maybe wouldn't necessarily talk if they were uh, just in a regular social social situation. Um, the hard part, I guess, with random seating gets, you know, when you're, uh, you have like three cellos in a class, which like I do in a couple, um, in, in one class particularly, and you can only do so much randomizing with three kids. So, but sure, um, yeah, it has yeah. been, yeah, it has been very helpful. Um, and how, and how often did you say you change again? I was changing, a, I would change twice a week. So once every oh, twice or, a week. Yeah. Wow. Once every, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, two or three classes. Um, if we had something coming up, you know, I love to bring guests uh, uh, to my classroom. So we had um, Debbie Price was coming in. So I said, OK, we need Ooh, to go back to awesome. our. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. So we were going back. <laughs> we were going back to our uh, our concert seating for a week. And we, you know, just to get things ready for that, because I wanted to put mm-hmm. a decent product in front of her. So she had something to work with, um, you know, so I I probably that's another reason I need to set up a more perfect system of how often I do it. Because I'm a little scatterbrained at times. And yeah. I also like, I'll get really excited about something and I'll go that direction that day. You know, so, um, <laughs> yeah. so that's, the, you know, the kids did a really great job of holding me accountable. So, and that's where you have student leaders, yeah. you know, and, and, and passing some of those responsibilities on to the students. And so they would say, Mr. Raspiner, we sat here last time. You know, we're, and so I would say, oh, great. Yes, yes, yes. We are, we Let's are moving. Move, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the yeah. kids had really great ownership of it as well. Well, you're giving me a lot of ideas as well. Um, in something that, that I, I do it, but not frequently enough. And, uh, perhaps, uh, even putting it on the orchestra calendar with, you know, uh, you know, we're going to rotate seats on this day so that the, the students remember. And I remember when I see it on the calendar pop up, um, that might be something that I do as well. So yeah, well, that's great. That's great. Um, and then, uh, can you tell us a little bit more, um, maybe just general, uh, we're, we're learning about kind of how you are as a teacher. I mean, obviously you are like a lifelong learner, always wanting to grow and that's, that's, uh, very admirable. Um, what are some of your, you know, philosophical or principles that you are just really adamant about, um, within your classroom or your program or some things maybe, uh, that you've done that are. Um, outside of the norm, I mean, obviously you've been invited to do some guest conducting and some presenting and, and so, um, that happens because, you know, you, you're doing some things outside of the box. You tell us a little bit about maybe about that or some of the work that you've done on the outside. Yeah. I mean, classroom. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I think probably the one, uh, the one thing that I, I do that, that I do that seems to get the best reaction. I really get to know every single kid. So in my classroom, um, and I'll talk about how I apply it when I go out, but like when, in my classroom, I stand by the door at the beginning of every class and it's hard to do sometimes. And it's and really I, hard and I, to do. I, I, say, I say every kid's name as they come in. And, wow. And, and, and now I say that and I, I sound like a golden child. It doesn't happen every day or sometimes I get to the door <laughs> late or sometimes I have to write a pass as the last 10 kids are coming through. Sure. Um, you know, but I'm trying really hard to be at that door every single day, and I try to say their name and greet them. Um, and then I also try and do that when we're leaving class. Um, you know, stand. I will hold mm-hmm. the door for the kids as they leave. I'll say their names. I'll you know. And I had a mom of of one of my kids, one of my a senior who sits in the middle of my second violin section, an amazing kid, a very average violinist. And the mom sent me an email and said, you know you make my daughter feel safe every day. 
And that's wow. just like, that's a really beautiful compliment. You know, you it get totally compliments is. about your concert or about your teaching, but that was just a really nice compliment. Um, and so I think creating a sense of, of community. Um, and I'm really, right. really pleased with how that has happened in school. And it also just, it helps me center myself because I go, you know, we all go into work in bad moods and we all have bad days. And so doing those little things to help center myself kind of puts me in a better place each day. Um, and as far as outside of, I mean, outside of the, uh, uh, I, I say I approach string teaching and I'm not using this as a negative, but when I was young, I said, I'm going to mm-hmm. approach string teaching and, and conducting how I've seen a lot of really great band conductors and band teachers. Mm. Yeah. And so I met a lot of, when I was working with, as a young string teacher and I would meet other string teachers, I always felt like I had this, I, I had too big of a personality to, to be a string teacher um, because all <laughs> the big personalities either were directing musicals or they were directing the band. Um, and so I, uh-huh. I think I think that's probably one of my traits. I have a I'm, I'm a loud teacher. I'm a loud conductor. Um, I speak mm-hmm. loud, uh, and I have very very high. I mean, I, like all of us, I have really high standards. Um, mm-hmm. And like Bob Gillespie tells us to do, I use a lot of humor. Um, I try right. and I, I make my kids laugh either by making fun of myself or poking fun at them. I try and stay current on mm-hmm. on all all the social media stuff, which the kids just find hilarious that I try and do. Right. Um, right. You know, and so it really, I think my success is because I've, I've been able to build positive relationships with kids and with their parents and with other teachers. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't I mean, know I if I'm, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm doing anything really out of the ordinary. I mean, um, I do believe in sharing what we do. That's why I'm so excited to be a part of this. It's why I try and get out and present at state conferences and ASTA. Because even though we're all in our classroom and we don't think maybe we're doing something exceptional, um, we don't grow as a profession unless we share things. And uh, and so so I I do go out and share what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. even though I do it every day and I take it for granted, there's always somebody who'll say, oh, I want to try that. And just like you today saying a few things. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to try that. Um, and so yeah, I, it's really important yeah, for I mean, teachers to get out there and present and, and share ideas, write articles. You know, that's really important for our profession. Yeah. I, every time I do a pr- presentation, I'm kind of nervous that everybody's going to know everything I'm talking about. And then when I get the the nods and, and people come up, up to me after the presentation and say, no, I really like this. I'm going to take that and use it. I, it makes me feel really good. And, and then, you know, through our discussions and, and whenever I do a presentation, I always want it to be a two-way um, as well. So I, I learn it probably just as much from the audience as they do from me. And, and that's the greatest thing about going out and doing that kind of doing that kind of thing is that you just learn so much as well, even as a presenter. Um, and it makes you kind of check yourself and um, keep yourself in line and up on the latest and greatest so that you can, you know, put that out there as well. Yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree. You know, you and I presented together once. and I remember we were working on that. And yes. the whole time, the whole time we're talking, you know, doesn't everybody do this? Everybody knows this. Everybody knows this stuff. And then we we present what we're doing in our classrooms. And it's all there's always wide open eyes. And there's always a hand raised saying, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Here's what I do to get that same thing done. You know, so it's it, it just starts a really great dialogue. And just probably like you do, I have teachers email me the week after saying, 
how do you do this again? What are we doing here? Or, you know, right, so right. it's, it's I, just, I, it's I, a I really, love that. I love having yes. a, yeah, so a do I. I love afterwards. Yeah. I love, I, I love talking shop. I love, I still get emails and texts and Facebook messages from, uh, from my, from my OSU gang, uh, always asking questions and reminding them or sharing successes or sharing frustrations. And I love that. It's my favorite part of doing yes. that. Well, speaking of frustrations, what are some of that we've talked about all these positive things and we know, um, everybody out there every day is not euphoric. Uh, um, so what are some things that are, you know, frustrating for you? And, you know, obviously, um, you know, there, there are going to be things, maybe they will be more minor than some other teachers are experiencing, but what are some things or concerns that maybe you have, maybe not just in your situation, but across the board or through the profession, what are some things that you see? No, I have. I have concern. Yeah. I mean, my, my own story, I, I still fall into the trap of taking things personally. Um, (laughs) So if a kid gets, you know, if a kid gets frustrated or a kid wants to quit or um, you always tell yourself and I tell my student teachers and I tell my, my, you know, my colleagues, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally while I close my office door and weep because I take everything personally, (laughs) Um, you know? And so that's really difficult. You know, I had a really, really difficult teaching year last year with taking a lot of things that happened within my classroom personally. Um, And I think the other frustration too is, you know, those of us who, who get to teach kids for three or four years, You'll make what I you you'll make deposits into their ATM. You know their 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 ATM of life. You just make all those deposits and you right. help them out and help them out. But kids have a really really short memory, and kids are emotional, and kids can do a ninety degree turn at anything you know any time. And we all know this, but we still take it personally. So that's one that I really struggle with, and I will probably struggle with that until I retire, just because it's who I am. You know, um, so we that's know, we, we 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 have we have. Uh, things that we're supposed to do and things in ways we're supposed to act. But, you know, when it comes down to it, our personalities definitely come through and sometimes take over. And, and that can be a blessing or a curse depending on, um, you know, what it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I find a, a similar things, you know, it's, we take, we take everything very personally because we care so much. And, exactly. uh, well, and that's what, what makes us means, good. Probably so much too, to us. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what helps us find success probably as well is, is the, the fact that we do care and we take it, you know, we take it personally and we may, maybe we're a, a bit emotional at times, um, you know, mm-hmm. and kids can tap into that for really, really positive results. But when it goes the other direction, it's really hard. And, you know, and the other thing yeah. I struggle with is probably, um, you know, like many of us is drawing the line between personal life and work. Um, you know, sure. it's a, you know, I have, I have three beautiful daughters. Um, I have a wife who is also a wow. phenomenal, phenomenal string teacher and so we both struggle yes. with, we both struggle with, you know, uh, bringing home work and, and drawing that line. You know, my wife and I are asked to, you know, do clinics and to guest conduct. And so we got to say no mm-hmm. to some of that stuff just because it doesn't fit. Absolutely. Life, you do. You know, and I've learned that from guys like you and from other people who are successful in the profession, you got to learn the word. No, um, the opportunities will keep popping up. They if will. You, if you, and if you I, keep, yeah, if you keep doing your job and you keep doing it well, you know, people, those opportunities will still be there. Don't be scared to say no, um, because I have learned it's taken me a little bit longer, but I've learned that, you know, I, I only have my oldest daughter in my house for another four years, you know, so I, I have to take exactly. advantage of those four years, you know? 
So yeah. that's personally, those are my struggles. I, you know, as a profession, I, teaching's tough right now. It, it's it's a difficult difficult time to be a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. I I struggle. You know, one thing they don't necessarily tell you uh, is that you it, to be a teacher in the arts, you do have to you have to fight for your for your job and for your life. You know, yearly. Um, you know, and even mm-hmm. in a successful school district, even like my school district for where we are is very successful, but I still got to fight those fights because we're all, we're all, uh, areas are always looking for time and they're always looking for a way to mm-hmm. save time or save money or get more time for math or more time for this. And so that's, that's a really difficult struggle as an arts teacher. Um, and you know, the climate of of teaching right now too. It's, I personally really struggle with, you know, the, the violence in schools and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to sell concern and yeah, it's it's really, it's really hard to sell, to sell teaching to the younger generation right now. Um, because Mm -hmm. they see, you know, they see school shootings and they see, you know, if, if parents talk to them, they'll see, Oh, we're, we're chipping away at retirement in many states. We're not valuing. Mm-hmm. We're not valuing teachers. You know, we we. I live in a very heavy Republican area, and there's a lot of folks here who just simply don't value what we do at all. And not just arts teachers, just teachers in general. In general, um, yeah, yeah. And it's really, really hard to get kids excited about being an educator. It's a wonderful, wonderful job. It's not easy. It's really difficult. Um, but, and you know, it's hard to get kids excited for that. And that's, that has me a little bit concerned about the future of all of our professions. Um, we're definitely right. in a strange time because technology is so powerful now and social media, yes. you know, people's opinions on social media can be shared at an instant. People who never had a voice now have this powerful voice. And so it's just, it's a really, mm-hmm. really odd, <laughs> it's an odd, difficult time from that aspect, but, um, but I still love what I do. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I know at our school, they, you know, beefed up security and I have an outside door and we used to have a secret knock, you know, orchestra knock to get to for someone to open the door and, and they're not even letting us use that anymore. Oh, so it, wow. it's just, there's all these, yeah, all these, and we have lots of more drills and, and all these videos we have to watch at the beginning of the year for safety yep. and, and whatnot. And it just, it's, it's, it's a lot to manage and, um, and we're expected to have so many grades and, um, and we have, you know, this, all the, the diversity among the students and IEPs and, uh, 504 plans and all that we have to manage. So it is a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, I still, still love what I do and, you know, we have to be able to talk about those things. Um, and hopefully for me, at least I know they totally outweigh, any kind of negative that I, they have, uh, throughout the day or throughout the year, um, just being able to work with the kids and being able to do what we do in music and spreading that, spreading that love and joy and seeing the kids grow. And, um, my favorite thing is, you know, when students graduate and, you know, then that's when they're allowed to become my Facebook friend if, if they so choose. And, um, just to see them grow. And now a lot of them are having kids and I have, uh, students who are just doing things all over the world and all different types of professions 
it's just that's that keeps me going, you know, to see that. And, you know, um, even when this podcast thing came up um, and we had posted just the announcement that it was going to happen, um, one of my students that I had 15 years ago said, you know, Dr. Laux, I remember when you were doing podcasts, you, you were, wanted to talk about podcasts and we did some podcasting in 15 years ago and, and it's so cool. And I remember that and I was just thinking about that the other day because podcasts are, you know, the cool thing now. <laughs> so it was just neat, neat to, uh, to uh, hear from her and, and see all the cool things that your, you know, your former students get to do. And when you've been in the profession long enough, um, you get to see them turn into adults and have their own kids and uh, it's just really neat. It's really neat. Really, very rewarding. Agreed. Anything else that you uh, have have thought about? I know we had talked a little bit about you being on on, on the podcast, and and um, just we we talked about some ideas and some things to talk about. I think we had a really cool conversation today, and hopefully, uh, all the listeners are um, have been able to take some of the things you said and and kind of reflect on them and 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 uh, think about some of the some of the things that are going on in their own classroom. But um, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us today and be on the, the show. And um, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a really fun uh, little project and I hope, hope it will be helpful for all, everybody out there. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to listen. Cause I, I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, when we're at conferences and with, with other string teachers, we're always talking about which podcasts that we are listening to and uh, so I think the string teachers and the orchestra directors will be really excited to have something that's directed right at them. I know I will be. I know I will listen. Um, so I really appreciate you putting forth the effort and time to, to do this. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think it'll be something fun to do and something that's kind of creative. And and um, I, I, I love technology and I love meeting people. I'm a, definitely a people person. And so, um, and I love just hearing what you have to say. So, you know, the things that you had talked about today, definitely going to be uh, stealing some of that. So not <laughs> only am, is it, we're, we're spreading this to everybody, but um, we're all able to, to learn from it and take something away. So I think that's, that's what this is, this is supposed to be about. And, um, but I hope and you if, have if anyone, uh, the... mm-hmm. sorry, <laughs> if anyone listening, uh, you know, wants to reach out to me, I'd be happy to talk to them through. Facebook sure. If you want to, you know, do you have an email address that's easy to uh, say? <laughs> um, boy, I really don't actually. Uh, my school one is okay. mradspin at wasd.org. That's M-R-A-D-S-P-I-N at wasd.org. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, I would be happy to talk to anyone about what I do in my classroom and, and share ideas. Um, and if anyone has a strolling strings group, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you about your strolling strings group because um, that's something we do at our school that we're really passionate about. And I would love to share ideas uh, with you. It would be really cool to maybe have you back later to, to talk more about that and how, how it works because I have no idea. Oh, I could fill an entire how, podcast how, about I mean, that. Yep. <laughs> Well, we will do that. We will do a special episode with you back here to talk about your strolling strings group and how, you know, how that works and the music. I mean, there's, there's so many different aspects to uh, putting that together. Um, yeah. And yeah. it would be great to have you back to do that. Let's, so let's do it. That sounds exciting. great. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, well, I hope everyone out there will have a great Thanksgiving. This is our first, uh, like I said, our first episode. We are the day before Thanksgiving, 2019. Um, so thank you again for listening. Thank you again, uh, Mr. Radspinner, for being on the show. 
and uh, we will catch you next time on the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. The music you are listening to is a Piazzolla tango arranged by Gerardo Eldstein, not published, performed by the Williamsport Area High School Sinfonietta under the direction of Matt Radspenner. <laughs>